Hello and welcome back to the Callum Watson Show. Episode number three. Right now I'm sat in a field. It's very sunny and I also don't know if any gusts of wind are going to uh, what's it like interrupt the recording. I don't know. Right, I've just been for a walk. <laughs> Ladybug on me. Get it away. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, just been for a walk. I'm on a, well, I'm sat. I'm on a walk right now, basically. I've uh, been listening to Andrew Marr's History of the World, a 25-hour-long audiobook. Yeah, it's really hot right now. I think it's like 20 degrees, but it's uh, definitely going to pick up a nice tan because of the wind it's cooling me down. Plenty nice. It's been uh, learning about Mansa Musa, an interesting character. Around in the 1500s, king of the Mali Empire. Uh, obviously made his money through salt, which you wouldn't think, would you? Apparently he used to just give gold away to the point where he devalued it massively. However, very interesting guy. Apparently sailed away into the distance as well. And that's how he died, and uh, that's the last time he was ever seen alive. Which is a cool way to go out. Probably ought to make a movie about the guy. However, nobody actually knows that much about him. Seeing as they didn't write anything down. Which is a bit annoying. Uh, yeah, they didn't write anything down because they just didn't. Uh, like it, uh, pretty much every other civilization. I mean, it seems, it seems very strange that they didn't write anything down. Seeing as that's what everyone had been doing since the Greek time, I mean, Greek times where they were writing stuff down there, I think I'm pretty sure a lot of some of the first examples of literature was uh, Homer with the, was it the Iliad came first, you normally hear it as the Iliad and the Odyssey, so the Iliad, the story of Troy, about siege of Troy by the Greeks, and I think that was written, I think it was, for some reason, 830 BC is in my mind, but I think if you said like eighth, ninth century BC, I'm pretty sure you'd be, you'd be close enough. Also, I was thinking uh, about the impacts of uh, Caesar. Not obviously there was a few emperors. The key ones is uh, em- uh, Augustus Caesar and Jul- obviously Julius is the one that's most well known. But uh, Augustus, I think, was the first emperor. Mate, it was the first emperor because obviously they went from king. To emperor to something else at some point, whatever it was. I was was, uh, I don't know. I think they were rela- related by only a few generations. I don't know if they were cross paths at any point, but it's uh, obviously the word Caesar. Three different, well, uh, three different, two different words. Obviously, come from that. And there was third, but I can't even remember what it was. Oh, that's annoying. Oh yeah, Caesarian. Apparently, or, or maybe Caesar was named Augustus Caesar. I think he came first. Was actually named after Caesarian, like the Caesarian C-section, because he was born of it. I mean, it's actually kind of crazy that they were doing that back all the way back then. I don't know if, what well, I mean, imagine the uh, mortality rate was very high. I mean, did I mean I'd be very interested to know if uh, like any women actually survived that with what they had on hand at the point, as we know. A germ theory didn't come around until like the 1860s and even then it was kind of shunned for quite a long time until like decades later when uh, I think it was Florence Nightingale actually pioneered uh, having like a, a 
uh, what's that, an aseptic hospital, and there was a guy called, I think he was called Edwin Semmelweis, a German guy, some guy from the continent, was uh, the first guy to say, you should probably wash your hands, and they found out, obviously, death rates dropped massively because there was just these guys uh, that were, like, cutting open dead bodies, messing around with cadavers, and then going and dealing with births, and it's like, well, that's obviously not a good idea, but... Yeah, so what was that? I was talking about Caesar, wasn't I? Yeah, so obviously the name Caesar potentially comes from the Caesarean C-section. That's where they get the word. Or is it? Is it called, do you call it Caesarean C-section or does the C just stand for Caesarean and then they just call it a C, C-section? I don't really know, if I'm honest. But yeah, and also the word Caesar, I, I knew Kaiser was, like, derived from Caesar before, but I didn't know that Tsar, uh, as in, like, the Russian word for king, which is spelled T-Z-R, is also derived from Caesar. Caesar, Caesar, I didn't know that. I mean, this kind of thing is interesting to me, not necessarily for other people. It's also so interesting in the impacts of the ancient world on today, like, Obviously, yeah, Greece and Rome are the main, or uh, the Athenians and Rome today. I mean, we talk about Greece like it's like it's in its modern day form. It's essentially just different countries. Obviously, there was the Spartans in Laconia, and then the Athenian, uh, Athenians, Athenians in Greece. Uh, no, I'm, I see. I'm doing it. I'm the I'm I'm just as guilty as that in uh, Attica. They called it. And then it was actually a massively divided place. I think it was actually like even more divided into different places, but those were actually well at different points. I think it was like only later on that they united, maybe, or maybe was it? Maybe it was at the beginning and they divided. I'm not actually sure. However, it's just interesting. Like all the different words that we use today are so influenced by them. I know shape. I mean, obviously, I think there's a massive percentage of uh, things. Right, so forty percent of the English language is actually Latin, or, or I don't know, in fact, have I got that right? The statistic I'm trying to say is that 40% of modern-day Italian is actually English, I was told in my Italian audiobook. But I was learning Italian from that, and uh, supposedly 40% of the words are the same, So, but uh, you just have to know how to pronounce it. So if you look at the word, obviously use the word translation, you would pronounce that as translazione. And you just have to learn how... If you learn how to pronounce the Italian words, you've literally learned 40% of the language. Which is, I mean, yeah, it's kind of crazy how much of our stuff comes from Latin. I don't know about Old English, like what, uh, what proportion of uh, Old English came from Latin, but I think it was a very like, drawn-out language. I mean, I don't know if you class the Roman numerals as Latin, but it's obviously very... I mean, it's, it almost seems ridiculous, the amount of... Uh, like, if you just want to say, like, I don't know, 62, you have to go L, LX, LXII, I think. I think that would be right. I mean, it's just crazy how long-winded it was. And, I mean, I don't know if you class that as Latin, really. Obviously, we know we just know them as Roman numerals, and it's kind of seen as a separate thing. But it's also crazy, like, uh, how uh, recently priests, like, ha- only spoke Latin in church, so people didn't even know what was being said. I think it was only in, like, the 60s that they actually uh, start, like, what am I saying? 
uh, it was only in the 60s that they actually started to like do, I don't know what they call it in Catholicism, but uh, like a sermon or a, like a church service. It's crazy how recently they only started doing it in actual English or whatever language it, uh, you might be in the country that uh, it's in. I just used to do it in Latin, which I think is crazy. And I think there was there was no Catholic uh, modern translation of the Bible. And they, they literally just, every copy of the Catholic Bible was in Latin, which I think is kind of crazy. And that's, I think that uh, that reform came following the Holocaust for some reason. I don't really know why. But obviously after yesterday's show, there's been uh, Czech Republic versus England. Ended with a 1-0 draw. That's Euro 2021, if anyone's watching that in the future. <sighs> I mean, what can you say? It's just, it's a, it's, it could be seen as an overly defensive performance. However, it's actually very interesting. It's been brought up by a few different people. The Portugal and how, how they won the previous Euros. And it's like, they didn't even win a game in the group stage. They just drew. They just drew three games and it's... So they finished on three points, so that I think that would probably mean that they finished third in the group. I mean, it's crazy, but we do have the strength in the squad to actually win the tournament. But it's just like, at the minute, it doesn't seem visible. Like, it just doesn't seem possible that such a, a team that doesn't look like it can even score that many goals is... It's going to win the tournament. However, if we look at Germany, I mean, Germany, France are playing tonight, today being the 23rd of June. We can see Germany and France. Are, are they playing each other tonight? I can't. Yeah, I think they'll probably be playing each other tonight. And then uh, Portugal. I don't know. Portugal have already played Hungary. So maybe it's France have already played. So maybe it's Germany, Hungary, and France, Portugal. I think that's probably what it's going to be. I mean, I'll watch whichever one of them is a five o'clock kickoff. Um, yeah, it's obviously an interesting, going to be an interesting tournament, but the thing is, is that Germany, France and Portugal all look like they can score goals, but we, we don't, we, I mean, uh, how many did France score? I don't even think France have been that good. I, I think France are actually worse off than us so far. Germany and Portugal are the ones that look, I mean, to be honest, it's just Germany. I think Portugal obviously got battered with two own goals. I mean, I think, to be honest, they were, I think Germany probably would have scored those goals anyway, so it's basically a 4-2 loss, but at the end of the day, Portugal have conceded four goals, and I can't remember their other games, but I'm pretty sure they were probably pretty divisible in their other games. Uh, Germany, I think Germany the only ones that actually look like a threat because they can score goals and also defend. Obviously, um, France ended up conceding and drawing the game to Hungary. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, I think we are probably better off than them. Even if they do look better than us, actually, if you watch the games rather than result, I think we probably look good on paper, but... Uh, Bad. Actually, if you watch the games, it's difficult to explain. Well, it's not really, but it's sort of. It seems. It seems like a like a irrelevant point, like how good the team looks if you're getting the results. It's just like it doesn't give you confidence to see the team playing like that. 
I mean, I don't really want to make this into a football podcast, but at the minute, that's all that's really going on. Other than, I don't know, what else has got... Uh, if you watched Good Morning Britain recently, that was a really funny moment. Uh, I don't even know. I think his name's Richard Richard Madden, maybe his name is. He's obviously taken over from Piers Morgan. I don't know whether it's temporary or whether it's a long-term thing. I actually saw him on another show recently, and I thought, oh, I actually quite like this guy. I, don't want, I wonder what he does, but uh, he made a really weird point, and it was a very, like, Alan Partridge moment, and he was talking about uh, Shamima Begum. And obviously, she was very young when she went away. And he's like, he, talk, he starts going about in the Nuremberg trials and tries to relate it to um, punishment of Shamima Begum. And it's like, what, what are you talking about, mate? And he, yeah, he starts talking about the we didn't go after the Hitler youth at Nuremberg. And it's just like, what a, what a crazy point to make. I mean, maybe it was that crazy of a point to make, but it's just the execution and the way he said it, like it was something really clever. But, I mean, who's even going to watch Good Morning Britain now? Uh, seeing as Piers Morgan's left. And he, li- I mean, he, it was literally the Piers Morgan show. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't actually uh, got his own show somewhere yet. Like, uh, there's that new GB News. I'm not even sure what's going on with that GB News network. Let's have a look now. GB News. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't got his own show. Like, or even... Oh, I'm just typing GB Shows. GB News. And then click news after it. I haven't seen this. I don't even know if I can get it on my TV. Uh, GB News. News. A bonanza of fuck-ups and trolling. What I learned from being glued to GB News for a week. So this is from The Independent, which I believe is a, a left-wing publication. The first, so slow, I'm just going to dry-read this. Dry-read it is what I said. I don't know if I pronounced that. The first time I watched the film Airplane... As a very young child, I laughed so hard that I choked and nearly passed out by falling headfirst onto a table. I thought that airplane a great deal as I, a, I thought of airplane a great deal as I diligently, diligently watched the first week of GB News, a surreal alien entity masquerading as a serious British news channel. Where at any moment you might encounter weirdness, like. Spontaneous dr- Oh, this is what I was. Yeah, I remember seeing this now. <laughs> so these people at GB News, people basically have just been emailing and using the names like Mike Hunt, Mike Mike Hunt as two separate things, like all those classic ones. What I mean, what Mike, like Leaky Bomb? I don't know if that was one of the ones that they used. Yeah, that's been quoted. Mike Hunt. I mean, that's so funny. Seems, I think it's like a supposedly like a right wing publication of uh, televised news. It's lucky for GB, this is another dry read of the Independent. It's lucky for GB News' critics that people forget most news. Fucking hell, just click the notification. Start awkwardly when it's an ITV breakfast show. TV AM earnestly launched in 1983. This is boring, part of a different article. GB News has plugged a gaping hole in British broadcasting. I'm proud to be a part of it. This is the headline. Quoting somebody. Oh, you mean Telegraph you to get a subscription. What's this from? This is from BBC News. Streaming TV giants face tighter UK regulation. 
as I should, potentially. I don't even know nothing about that. There's not actually that many articles. I did see some really funny clips of it. I mean, they look legitimately annoyed, and the funniest thing was is that they 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 pretty much did the worst thing. They literally tried to take the moral high ground, which will always end up. I mean, no, well, it doesn't necessarily always make up uh, end up making the problem worse. But in the case of this, they seemed they showed a legitimate annoyance that obviously was just an encouragement for people to do it more. I mean, are people paying to do this? Are they emailing them, or is it one of those like text lines where you have to pay? Where you have to um, what's, what do you where you have to like pay forty pence or whatever. So how much does this cost as like a subscription? Should we have a look? GB News. GB News dot UK. So Andrew Neil, somebody I've heard of. Great British Breakfast. So that's obviously the breakfast show. Um, Neil Oliver. Heard that name before. Alistair Stewart, recognise some of these names. Uh, Andrew Neil, vaccine. So they've got like an actual full. It just seems like a complete carbon copy. I mean, it seems like a complete carbon copy of the BBC website or even just the BBC news network as a whole. But with. Um, with what? And they also get their news from the Met Office as well. I wouldn't be surprised if the BBC are behind this. <laughs> or whoever runs the BBC and they've just reformatted it. Reformatted the exact same thing. But how much does it cost? So if I want to get like a subscription to watch this. Oh, join the community. Um, oh, it's free apparently. I don't know if I get to like... Oh, I suppose it's got... I can watch it live. Oh, I can literally put it on right now. So that actually, I'll try to play a video. Oh, I'll play the live, oh, I was going to play it again and stop me from speaking. So I'll close that tab. And we're still recording. Okay, let's go back onto that. So GB News pranks. And let's see what comes up. Timeline of fails. Sunglasses on, so I can't see Timeline. Okay, so this is from the Metro Entertainment article headline gb news colon a timeline of everything that went wrong in the first days after launch gb news officially launched on sunday this is a dry read of the article gb news officially launched on sunday june the 13th the first new news channel to premiere in the uk in 30 years but their first few days have already been fraught with issues during their live broadcasts you got that right the channel chaired by and so it's chaired by andrew neil which is somebody I've heard of. I'm not actually so that should, should we look up who Andrew Neil is? So looking up here, Andrew Neil is according to Wikipedia, Andrew Ferguson Neil, born the 21st of May 1949. Old Chappie is a right-wing journalist and broadcaster. He is the chairman of the right-wing magazine The Spectator and of the right-wing TV channel GB News. Isn't this been written off? As right wing by Wikipedia, I don't know. He does look very right wing, to be fair. Just from his face, he looks like. Uh, I haven't seen this film, but I've seen the advert or the trailer, as it's known in the movie business, uh, for Bombshell and like the bad guy in the hat <laughs> in the trailer, like that big fat uh, greasy dude. 
it literally looks exactly like that. Okay, and the rock which he founded in financial backing from Dubai. So this is backed by Dubai, apparently. I don't know if that means the state of... Is Dubai... Dubai is not a country, it's a city, isn't it? So, is the UAE... I don't really know a lot about the UAE, so is it just a single country? I always thought it was like three different countries united into one. So, I don't know exactly where it is on the map. I'm scrolling out, I'm going, there's Turkey... There's Syria below it, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia. It's obviously... I actually don't know where it is. UAE, where is it? Where's Jordan? Am I an idiot for this? Oh, there you go. So it's like just connected to Saudi. So Abu Dhabi. So where's Abu Dhabi then? It seems like Dubai is the only thing that's actually there. Other than Fujara, Fujara, I'd say you would call that, and Al-In. So where's Abu Dhabi? So, is Abu Dhabi a city, or what is it? Yes, Abu Dhabi seems like to be a separate city. I don't really know anything about that part of the world. I know it's where a lot of rich people go on holiday. So that's weird that... So, I don't know what it means by do. It's backed by Dubai, a city. I don't know how a TV channel can be. So, that's financial backing. I don't really know how that, how a city can, it's a bit actually suspicious, that is, that uh, a, a foreign city, so I'm presuming money is coming from the UAE government, and that's going into some right-wing political UK television. It's a little bit strange. It was the editor of... Uh, this is talking about Andrew Neil now. He was the editor of the Sunday Times from 1983 to 1994. He formally presented political programmes on the BBC. Yeah, I think that's probably where I know his name from. Paisley. He's from Paisley, which I think is a bit of a bit of a shithole outside Glasgow, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not that sure. Paisley. I remember a Frankie Boyle joke or something. Was he talking about Paisley when he said uh, the ego of the people from Paisley was slightly uh, bashed when they found out the people of Ethiopia were uh, organising a rock concert for him? It's funny. It's in the Lowlands, so the town of Borders. Yeah, so it's pretty outside Glasgow. Apparently it's just a town. So this Andrew Neil guy, notable credits, okay, it's pretty standard, standard rich guy journal. Yeah, Andrew Neil show on the BBC since July, oh, has he still got that show? The Andrew Neil show. It was on BBC Two every Wednesday evening, it was launched on September 2000, well, for a second, okay, so this doesn't actually line up with what Wikipedia said. Well, this is Wikipedia still, but I clicked the link for the Andrew Neil show and it's just coming up with... This is talking about something that's in its second series now. When it came out last... Uh, 2019 and 2020. I still think it's 2019 as last year, to be honest. Uh, oh, it was then cancelled as, as a result of budget cuts at the BBC. Okay. BBC is creepy. 
I mean, I'm not one of these people that's a douche on being douchey and all that shit. But it's like, I'm gonna lie down. It's like, why is it state funded? It's just a bit creepy. Like, and when they've produced, uh, there was a program last year, or maybe two years ago now, because I'm still thinking it was 2019, as last year, where it was about the Salisbury nerve poisoning. They made like a drama series about it. How can you make a drama series about something that, okay, fair enough, we kind of do know what happens, but it just, what happened, and the, the Russians came over and did that, did whatever, or whether that's true, but it's like, at the end of the day, how can you make a series? Because then you're kind of saying that this is exactly, I mean, I haven't watched it, so how much, I can't really say that much about it, but it just seems like propaganda, you know what I mean? I just hate to see things that, like, pretty much propaganda. I mean, is propaganda legal? Is propaganda legal? I'm pretty sure it's been, in America, it's been, is propaganda legal? UK. But then what do you count as propaganda? Because if there's a post, if there's a poster, say, like, those join the army, um, Okay, so like you know those like join the join the army, fix a bike and all of those adverts. I'm thinking like are those is that propaganda? I mean that is basically propaganda, isn't it? Does the UK have freedom of press? Britain has a long tradition of free inquisitive press, apparently. Does free speech exist in the UK? Censorship this is you know that people also ask on Google. Censorship in the UK is a history of various stringent and lax laws in place of different... We don't really have free speech because uh, hate speech is legal, uh, illegal even, which I, I don't think... I think it's, yeah, you should obviously have... It should be... Uh, what am I thinking? It should be, obviously, illegal. Like, I don't know if it should be illegal, though, because it probably should be illegal, but then you can't then say that you have free speech... Because you don't, if it's illegal to say, for words to come out of your mouth, then in theory, you don't have free speech. But then to say, it sounds bad to say that you don't have free speech then, doesn't it? But in theory, it's obviously true because you, you, I just think if it, if it's illegal for certain words to come out of your mouth, then you don't have free speech. And I also, I think. I think, uh, what are these, like, Instagram and stuff like this, they're, like, censoring, everything seems censored, and it's like, it's not technically free speech, I don't understand you got to protect people from stuff, but it's like, in, like, in theory, if you want to shout something at a footballer, I'm like, I find that's a bad example, that sounds very bad, but it's like, shouting something at a footballer probably should be illegal, like, insert, like, online, but if you see someone in a in a public place, you probably should be able to say whatever you want. I mean, obviously it's wrong to be racist to somebody. In fact, I'm not even talking about racism. Because like, you, you can get kicked out of a football match for shouting shit at footballers. I mean, I don't think they really do it that much. Like, I mean, because when have you ever seen someone get kicked out of a football match for shouting and anything, really? I mean, people, the stuff that uh, UEFA are just letting everything slide, aren't they? 
with stuff people say football matches like that. Like, oh, we're going to do a game behind closed doors because somebody said something racist. It's like, well, if, if, if you're actually admitting that there's a problem, you need to do more about it. You need to actually sort... I mean, I don't know how you would even tackle it, because in some like Eastern European... Like, say, when we played uh, Bulgaria in the football, it seems like over there it's just a massive... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Just a massive just issue in that part of the world. I mean, it doesn't seem like... The thing is, it's a bit like... I'd say they probably have a similar ethnic makeup places like Sweden, but they don't have the level of education and the same culture that they do over there, so they're just like insanely racist. Yeah, I'm sat in a field recording this, and I feel like uh, people are just walking as close as possible to me on purpose. It's literally an empty field. People, I don't know if I've positioned myself like in a very bad position, but people are just like walking up to me. Literally, I mean, I understand it's a public place, but you know what I mean? There's been a little uh, trend recently, and I mean, I'm always on TikTok, so I just love scrolling through the videos on there. But you get a lot of like, uh, people and get angry because somebody walks in front of their camera. It's like, mate, at the end of the day, it's a public place, what are you going to do? Like, it's not, is it a public? It's not really a public place. It's a private gym and that you have to pay to get in there. But it's like, it's, oh, as long as you remember, you can walk around whatever the fuck you want to do. You know what I mean? Who, who, like, who are you to say? I mean, I understand it is a little bit annoying for you, but it's like, why should they care that they're in your video? I mean, I'd probably be like, I, I do avoid people's stuff. You know what I mean? There was a video. Uh, the other day, oh, so this is quite a few weeks old now, I think of a, a woman doing Olympic weightlifting, and then a guy like walks, it was a good way in front of her, like three, I'd say he's a four feet in front of her, and then her and her mate instantly just turned on this guy, like, oh. and they were American as well, which makes it more annoying, it was like, oh my god, when are you, who do you think you are, you're walking in front of the platform, you're walking on our platform. And it did look like a crowded place as well. Then I did see somebody with a little counterpoint to it saying, uh, obviously, uh, what, what was I saying? They're saying, like, oh, when you do Olympic weightlifting, you could, I mean, you could need a good distance either side of you because you can pull backwards, you can pull forwards. You do have to just sometimes throw the weight away. So for that reason, I do kind of understand it. Alright, this episode is now half an hour long, so I think what I'm going to do is just call it a day there. I think I want to make these more, a bit more regular, because I have enjoyed just pumping this out today. Just talk. I mean, I'm literally just talking to myself. I wonder who the first guest will be on the podcast. Do you get the first guest or maybe a co-host? I mean, I think I want to get some, like, a little microphone. Probably one of those like clip-on ones that you put onto the collar, like that of them, the hair, the news and shit like that. I think that's probably going to be the best way to do it. So, alright, I'll sign off. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, like and subscribe.